Welcome back for episode three of the Focus Fire Chat Extra Lore series, recorded live on May the 4th, 2016 on twitch.tv. A big shout out to the chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86 Alongside me, we are joined by two of our gurus on the topic for tonight's chat, Damoel and Demigod257. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing great. I'm doing pretty well. I'm excited. The topic of today's chat is going to be a basic introduction into the lore of the Star Wars universe. Before we get into that, however, I do want to run through some quick notes. Our last chat covered the Traveler and the Speaker. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to all our various other pages. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes or through our email, focusfirechat at gmail.com, to let us know how we're doing. As many of you already know, Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Wednesday at around 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Next week's chat is going to be a discussion over the Guardian class of Warlocks. Before we start, though, I wanted to give our guests a chance to more fully introduce themselves. So let's start with you, Damo. I know we've chatted before when we discussed the Elixni, but as far as Star Wars, what, what got you into the lore of Star Wars? Uh, Timothy Zahn's Thrawn trilogy, the original one. Um, I was a pretty big fan of the movies, uh, but when I read those, that's, that's when the, uh, the obsession started. That's when I delved in deeper. That is the correct answer. <laughs> um, and then just real, real fast, uh, where can we find you around um, on the internets? I'm on Twitter and Xbox as Damoel. Um, that's pretty much the best place to find me. Perfect. Thanks. All right. Demigod, how about you? What got you into Star Wars lore? Um, well, let's see. I'm probably the youngest of the three of us here, so I'm a product of the prequels. Um, so it you. was... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um it was probably the prequels themselves um i had seen the original trilogy a number of times before episode one came out and i was six sorry um so yeah just from there i kind of picked up uh got more interested saw the other films when they came out um and it's just been a part of my growth i mean i was in high school when uh when the Clone Wars came out, I got into some of the novels, not all of them because they were a lot. Um, but with the current canon, I am more or less up to date. Okay, perfect. Um, and then same same question as with Damoel. Um, where can we find you around on the internet or the internets? Um, I am usually on Twitter uh, at Sosa Joshua. And my PSN is Demigod257. So if you guys ever want to play Destiny or anything like that, just hit me up. Perfect. Or you can just pester him in our lore chat because he's always there. That's well. true. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, both of these guys are. Um, so 
I'm gonna I'm gonna actually just turn this over to you guys. Like I said, you guys definitely are much more well versed, especially with the new expanded universe. Which, you know, for those who might not be aware, I I don't know. I guess most people who are probably listening to this podcast are probably aware of this, but there are two. There are now two expanded universes. There's the what's called the Legends expanded universe, which is the one that you know I grew up with and that I'm familiar with. And then I guess there's the current. I don't know. Is there a name for it? I don't or? think we have a proper name for it yet. So it's just the current expanded universe, which is basically post. Was it April? Uh, it's it's better to think about it in terms of like clone wars and beyond okay okay like i said you guys you guys know more about the this i i have been out of touch for star wars uu you know for a while just simply because of life and having a small child running around kind of eliminates a lot of free time so at least until they get older yeah then you introduce them to the stuff and you have a viable excuse to go back into it right that's what that's my understanding yep. <laughs> they're but they're the excuse that i get to go to disney world and have fun with the, all this stuff they're the well, beard I, I made an extra excuse to go see the force awakens uh so i uh, coerced my girlfriend into watching all six films uh, before December, and we, I went with her to see it in January, and that was my fourth time seeing it. So, so uh, yeah, that's how you get other people to get Star Wars. You uh, get a relationship with them, make them watch all six films. Uh, you know, there's no yes, pausing involved. Yes. You have to read all the text that's scrolling down, and there you go. So. I'm, like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you guys kind of take it off. I know we're gonna we're gonna kind of touch on the. Uh, I assume we're gonna probably touch a little bit on the schism between the the current and the legends. Um, so I'm like I said, gonna turn this over to you guys since you guys are definitely both more well versed currently in the EU of Star Wars than I am. So, um. All right. Well. So I guess we might as well just jump into uh, the new EU and the Legends EU. Uh, really, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of Star Wars community is kind of just calling the current canon the EU uh, and the old the Legends. Just to you know, they don't really want to use anything else. Uh, don't really want to use different terminology. Um, so the old Legends is everything we knew up until around fall 2014. Um, and in respect to the novels, the comics, and the video games, it was divided into a whole bunch of different eras. Um, so I can do a quick overview of those. Um, so to start off, there was the Before the Republic era. Uh, and this is actually one of the newest eras in the Legends. It started with the Dawn of the Jedi comic uh, comic series and the... I believe one novel that it had. Um, it's kind of a background on the Force Wars, on the Ricotta, and other stuff like that. Um, then there is also, uh, following that, there is the Sith era and the Old Republic era. Uh, this is where a lot of people are familiar with. There's Exar Kun, there's the Tales yes. of the Jedi, uh, Nomi Sunrider, Naga Sadal, Ludo Crash. 
Um, Our Lord and Savior, Revan. Oh, God. Yes. The, the biggest thing that comes out of that is uh, Revan, Knights of the Old Republic, the Old Republic MMO. Um, pretty much everybody should be familiar with that. That's some point in their Star Wars fandom. Uh, I mean, he is the greatest Jedi who ever lived. He, you know, I I guess to get sidetracked me, uh, I once thought that there was a like there was a chosen one before Anakin and it must have like it needed to be Revan just because of how influential he is, but I digress. Lucas. Um, <clears throat> following, uh, following the Sith era, now uh, just I guess side note if you were to get some of the old Legends books, they would each have a little symbol, either on the back cover or in the front. Uh, the symbol designates the era. So the Sith era used to be, uh, I believe, like a sphere in the center, and then yeah. it looks like flame sides. Um, all right, so I guess just banging the rest of these out. Uh, the prequel era, also known as the Rise of the Empire, uh, your, major, yeah, your major figures there are uh, Darth Bane, Plagueis. Um, this is also what encompasses the prequel movies and the Clone Wars. Uh, then you go into the classic era, which is the Rebellion era. Uh, you have books like the Rogue, Squ- uh, Rogue Squadron books, and you have the original trilogy. Uh, the New Republic era following that is where you have the Thrawn trilogy, the Dark Empire, Heir to the Empire. Um and introducing characters for the next couple eras, you have the Young Jedi Knight series. So the last two eras actually have a lot of uh, a lot of novels to them, mm-hmm. and I started reading them and I couldn't finish because it's way too much. Um, the first one is the New Jedi Order era. Yeah, I think that place has a tangled, massive yeah. storylines. Nineteen books. Nineteen. Just a bit. <laughs> well, it's just 19 books in the main series, and then there's like six yeah. side series too. Um, yeah, with the 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 Killix. Uh, but yeah, you have the Yuuzhan Vong War and the Darkness trilogy. Those are two of the biggest things there. And that uh, has and- that has Damo's favorite character ever. Oh, don't get me started. I will scream <laughs> unrepentantly for the next what one hour and a half. <laughs> don't get me started on 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 Jerkbag Mackenzie. <laughs> He um, who shall not be named. <laughs> Sorry. That's a fast running inside joke inside the chat. Let's just just to say there's a there's a pair of twins and one of those twins is the what what are we calling him now? What's the what's the PC? Jerkbag McKenzie. Okay, there we go. The male twin is jerkbag. <coughs> and their last name are solo, so um and yeah so then you have the last era which is the legacy era and this actually spans a large time period if not a lot of books and comics um this is where you have the legacy of the force series the fate of the jedi which thank god i never got to reading that because that might have killed me um and the legacy of the force comics uh which i actually thought were pretty decent i i think they're i think they're really good actually i think the legacy line is underappreciated. Yeah, I, I've, heard, I, I've heard that honestly, the comics are really good on this on this end. Like I never like I I dropped out about halfway through the Vong series, and so like I'm trying to remember where exactly in the books it was like right after I think it was Vergery and Jerkbag 
introduced the concept of the Shadow Knights. That was like the last area that I kind of remember reading, which was an interesting thing because it was like, yeah, that's a terrible idea, but okay. And then, yeah, the Legacy era was kind of where I kind of, I'd never got into it. I know, I know like the basic story arc, especially of, is it Cadus? Cadius? I think the it's Sith Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Jerk back in yeah. final form. Announced it. Yeah. Um, well, Legacy actually takes place much after that. Oh, Legacy is Legacy is centered it's, around uh, Luke Skywalker's grandkid. Cade? Oh, Cade. Oh, Cade. <laughs> Legacy takes place, I think, something like 100 years after the trilogy. It's, I believe it's 160. And yeah. the protagonist is Cade Skywalker, who is. Oh, you know what? I do, I do remember. I remember reading a comic and being super confused because I was yeah. like, who is this person? Yeah. And okay. I, Blue, I actually highly recommend you read them because one of the main characters in that is, is a descendant of Suntir Fell. Oh, and he's what? awesome. Yes. Yeah. I am going to. Noted. Noted. It's, it's really good, even if I did not really care for any of the characters. It was one of those series where nobody's really super likable. <laughs> like yeah. I, would, I would honestly say, I would honestly say Roan Fell is probably the most likable character in that, and he's a big, 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 big douchebag. You know, I mean, I I wasn't entirely opposed to uh, to that first volume where uh, uh, Darth Crate opens all the Sith holocrons and they all just degrade him <laughs> just individually yeah. say how pathetic he is as a sith lord i thought that was great outside of that no, I really it, okay. <laughs> yeah it's it's a series where you kind of love to hate everybody that's sort of the point yes um but uh that was a very quick overview of the legends eu um so yeah it's pretty much everything that we knew uh there are clearly a lot of favorites here um and I personally, as a Star Wars fan, I like the prequel era and before because I think everything is very tight knit. Uh, there is not really much to explore past uh, the Rebellion era, in my opinion. Um, well, I mean, well, to put it, my bias <laughs> is my favorite book series was Rogue Squadron and Wraith Squadron. So. I got. I got to be honest. The comedy in those two series was epically amazing. Yeah, they were. They were incredibly well written. Oh, and and believe me, I I did not even get halfway into any of the legends that was there. Oh yeah, um, no, that's true. I I, I kind of uh, my read into uh, the new Jedi Order series died along with Anakin, so I stopped. Yeah, I mean that series is just tough to read too. It was a it, neat idea to have everybody, every book written by a different author, but it made it so inconsistent that I I couldn't finish it either. Honestly, I I wiki I wikied half that series. Well, fun fact, um, the so I was at Star Wars Celebration last year in Anaheim, and while I didn't get to, <laughs> well, next year it's going to be in Orlando. Um, I didn't get to go to this panel specifically, but Pablo Hidalgo and Dave Filoni talked about unproduced Clone Wars episodes uh, oh, yeah. and some ideas and stuff like that. And the Yusong Vong were going to appear in at least one episode, and they were going to make it sort of like some X-Files abduction episode. And uh, I'm a little bit disappointed in the loss of that. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the lost of the other lines. Oh, a, lot a lot of the lost stuff was, was sad. 
yeah, um, having read Dark Disciple, uh, I thought it was good. I didn't really care for Size Ventress, but it was a good novel. Oh, you're, well, you're you're dead to me now. <laughs> Shots fired. I, so hashtag I, Team Ventress. I, <laughs> sorry, I the only woman in that show I cared for was Ahsoka, and I still do. I mean, they're both fantastic. Like the episodes where they the episodes like where they had to work together were just it was some of the best Star Wars that's ever happened. Oh no, and and Asajj definitely had great character development. She was just not a character who I uh, I ever sympathized with. So I heard I just make maybe clarify. So when you when we took when we, in the current EU, is there anything from the legend? I know demo. You kind of said anything after the Clone Wars was the DV, the, the split. Basically, point? the the Clone Wars movie. So like. The Clone Wars series was sort of, and the movies are sort of the earliest thing to be, like, in our world chronologically, to be right. into it. So, but, I mean, as far as, like, that. the novels from the Legends EU, like Khan and all them, are they still canon in the new? Oh. Or are they, are they, have, they, been, have is, they been retconned with the rest of us? A lot of stuff is up fun. in the air. Um, okay, so as I'm chanting in the background, this is where things get really fun. <laughs> um, so, firstly, the novels and the comics before fall 2014 are all a part of Legends, except right. for one. And this one is the only Dark Horse comic that is canon. It is the Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir. And the reason is because it started in May of 2014 and it ended in December. And it was a story that Dave Filoni wanted to create for Clone Wars, but knowing that Clone Wars was going to finish, he had it adapted into a comic. Um, so that's I mean, the only one. But there's other elements that have either been touched on or pseudo canonized. Yeah, because um, I know, like the like I don't know Sith, how deep I don't know how deep we're going into spoiler, spoilers in this, but uh, uh, let's. Try not to go too far, but I'm assuming most people have seen all the movies. So I mean, like, so there's some elements in like the last episode of Rebels that connect to the Knights of the Old Republic series, for example. Yes. Okay, and I know, I know, when we were in chat, that we did have a conversation about the Sith Code is now re-canonized. Yes. Yep. To, yeah. To, uh, I mean, to a degree. They, yes. They a made a nod a to it at least. Says the line or a. Uh, a character from that season finale says one of the lines of the Sith code. Enough, um, enough to sort of pseudo recanonize it. Yes, and there's stuff like uh, I was actually rewatching uh, the last story arc for Clone Wars today uh, with uh, with Yoda and uh, one of the Force priestesses uh, canonizes recanonizes the Jedi code at the same time. Okay. Um, yeah. And I, I say it like that because the Clone Wars is canon, but you never hear the Jedi Code in anywhere that is, you know, of canon. Right. Yep. It, it and the Sith Code are <laughs> yes. never so, fully explored. And okay, so like, and I guess kind of mo- using that as kind of a segue to move into the current mythology, if we will. I see that, you know, we're saying you guys have in this in the show notes that star wars is the quote one family's effect on the entire galaxy do so it's it's mostly the current eu is centered obviously around the skywalker lineage is that kind of the thought process 
Pretty much. Um, yeah, especially with the deleting of the old stuff, I think that's right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, because you know, a lot of the legends had. I mean, there was the Rogue Squadron had elements of Skywalker, but it was predominantly, you know, kind of just their own story. And I know. Well, I'd was, even argue that back then the Skywalker legacy was kind of the defining part of well, the, well, I the mean, story yeah, because I guess that's true. I mean, the, everything was centered around them in the old, in the old Canon, there was almost always some, some family line or individual that the story was centered around. Right. In the coder true, era, it was, true, yeah. yes, it was Revan and it was and, Revan before that it was Kel- the Keldroma family had mm-hmm. a huge, huge impact on the universe. Yes. Um, and even then with the old Canon, uh, and I, oh, I want to say this comes from a comic and I don't know which one, um, just past the time period of Revan, there was a comic where a character literally has the prophecy of the Chosen One, and uh, the comic strip shows Luke. I want to say okay, it shows Luke, Vader, and Cade Skywalker. Um, so in that one comic, it's already mapping out everything that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, like you guys were saying. Um, a lot of, or as in show notes, uh, pretty much everything in the Star Wars canon currently deals with the family, the Skywalker lineage. Um, but going back, it doesn't, it doesn't entirely disprove or disregard some of the older legend stuff that has been brought back. Um, so again, with the most minimal amount of spoilers, um, in one of these Star Wars comics currently, uh, there is one line that recanonizes the Hundred Years of Darkness, which in the old, uh, in the legends was the first schism, I believe, between the Jedi and the Dark Jedi. Uh, so just right there, you have an idea of it may not be exactly how it happened, but this happened or at least and, some event similar happened. And that's and th- an important thing. I think to touch on too is that while the old stuff isn't necessarily canon anymore, it's in this weird kind of limbo where it isn't not canon either, right? They can draw yeah. on that if they want to. Unless it's Boba Fett. Well, yeah, but you know, Which he, I will always have a sore point for. He had a he had a troubled uh, history <laughs> in legends, in my opinion. I, I actually liked him better as a clone because I, I really like the clones. As some just, as somebody just brought up. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually, Boba Fett has become one of my favorite characters, and it has nothing to do with what he does in the films or in the TV show. It was actually all thanks to the Robot Chicken specials. They made him <laughs> so funny because I, uh, he's just a silent I character. Not, I used to not like him at all until his response to Jerkbag Mick. Oh, yeah. Uh, kill, killing my favorite character, um, which I still think is probably one of the greatest responses in the entire history of literature. <laughs> Which, for those not familiar, uh, he kills Luke Skywalker's wife, Mara Jade Skywalker. And Boba Fett ships Han Solo, his father, a pair of crush gauntlets, which are like super-powered gauntlets that says, for when you next see your son. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's the Boba Fett I love. <laughs> that's, that's quite funny. Because oh. um, yeah. in the EU, he ended up turning into kind of a snarky anti-hero. Instead yeah, of he kind did. Of he, yeah, and, and that kind of happened in the new Jedi order. Stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, so another, uh, I want to say two big points uh, 
in terms of stuff that is brought back, uh, one of them is Bane, the other one is Plagueis. And if you have seen the last episode of The Clone Wars, uh, the ones that came on Netflix, you know that Bane got recanonized. Uh, he is actually voice acted by uh, Mark Hamill, which I think is great. Uh, he also looks like some dark shogun samurai guy. It's, I don't know. He's got a great character design. Um, yep. But the most important thing is they recanonized him and that he established the rule of two. And uh, from the dialogue that he has with Yoda, you can assume that at least a lot of what happened in his novels are canon. And the same thing is with uh, Darth Plagueis, who without a doubt is canon. The the mere fact that he gets referenced in episode three makes him canon. Um, But if you have read the Tarkin novel, and I might be getting Tarkin confused with Lords of the Sith. um, It's Lords of the Sith you're thinking about. Okay, it's Lords of the Sith. Um, Palpatine has a lot of moments where he starts reminiscing about the things that Plagueis taught him, the things he used to say... um, and you get that there are parts of the Plagueis novel that are canon. The most important parts that people think uh, are never touched upon, which I think is great because I actually hated that. But that's just me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's it, it's like Daniel said. There, a lot of the legend stuff is in this weird limbo where they could be recanonized. They could be rebranded, renamed, uh, just like Korriban and Moraband. Well, and and there's a lot of things that are surreptitiously referenced, right? Like in the final episode of Rebels, uh, final two episodes, the planet and one of the concepts they're dealing with are very close to something right out of Knights of the Old Republic 2. Not exact, which is probably fair because that that game was a, a complete mess, but... It's definitely leaning back and touching on that. And also, I, I urge everybody to go do a side-by-side of Kylo Ren and Darth Revan's mask, because oh, they're... Yeah. Very, 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 very similar. Yes. And, and after you do that, make sure that you watch all of Seasons 1 of Rebels and Seasons 2, so that when you get to the last two episodes, things connect a little bit more. Yeah. Um... Yeah, no, that's that's a great... That was the first thing I thought of, actually. Um, and when there were rumors flying around about Kylo Ren and him being this... Uh, I don't want to say archaeologist because now I have Indiana Jones in my head. Uh, <laughs> but him being this, this relic hunter, uh, my first thought was, is okay, his mask is a relic. And who does his mask look like it looks like Revan and so they recanonize Revan this way but that was just me you know wishful thinking <laughs> I mean maybe we don't know yet right well there was a, there was a really cool thing I think it was in the deleted scenes and this is just kind of a side note on the you know talking about Force Awakens the whole scene with him <laughs> slamming the mask or his helmet down in the ash did you guys watch the deleted scene that explained that whole like the how it's the ashes of his enemies. Yeah, those are the actually yeah. the ashes of all his enemies. That and was like, great. There was it was supposed to be like this completely different scene, but I guess they I can't remember exactly, but they had to like re cut it to make it fit into the film. And like yeah. I was like, oh man, they completely did not touch on that in the film because it was like, oh, he has a random table up. Oh, there's the temper tantrum. Like 
it was a really kind of a weird like they didn't really explain that but like when you watch the deleted scenes and it's like oh no this is this is the cremated remains of all the people that he's gone up against it's like oh you're you're not actually like a a brat you actually have you actually you, you have do done things. stuff no i well, mean he's a he's a really pissed off superpowered 20 year old yeah right? <laughs> And, and let's be fair, he is very powerful. Um, they take a lot of time in that film to show off that bowcaster. Oh, and, yeah, that's, yeah. You know, uh, I, I must have been on Facebook one day. And some, some guy just explains it like, oh, a lot of people are calling Kylo Ren a crybaby. Well, you see him take that bowcaster and just take an E. That's, yeah. I mean, that's... And that's then get the back thing up. I must point out for that fight scene too between him and Ray. They're all like, mm-hmm. you know, people say it doesn't make sense that they fought so well, but like, let's let's face it, he just got gut shot by a mortar, basically. And, well, yeah, because they had you know, the he entire, did pretty good for that. the The entire scene where he um, <clears throat> he Han shoots the stormtrooper and it like he like double backflips. Yeah, he breaks yeah. his uh, he cracks I've, his armor too. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that's a good. And then there's, you know, the traitor scene, which is the best, the best. TR radar. <laughs> best. FN24 or something? Yeah, like I, I don't. I was kind of disappointed that they didn't actually just bow to the internet and give him the TR 8R. <laughs> Though apparently that there was an entire story behind him as well. Uh, yep. He, he trained with uh, Finn. That's Finn and brilliant. the guy who dies at the beginning. They were all. Uh, right. The guy who dies and paints Finn's mask with his oh, blood. Oh yeah, the Simba moment. They were all super good friends and close in training. Yeah, well, that was wow. That was damn near transition into new canon. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, to go back to Kylo Ren, uh, there's an interesting yeah. parallel between him and Vader. Um, mm-hmm. In one of the new novels, Vader's constantly talking about, like, internally monologuing about frothing himself into a greater rage, which sort of echoes. Ren punching himself in the wound during the fight scene. Well, because I mean, even in Legends, that was the huge thing with Vader <clears throat> about his uh, his ability to heal himself. Yeah, he could he could heal himself, but then he would lose his anger, which would sever his tie to the dark side, and you know, instantly <laughs> negate everything that he was holding together with the Force. And because I remember, re- I can't remember what novel that was in, but like I remember, it was just like, oh. That's that sucks because like he, as long as he was able to, you know, basically hate himself, which was also another. I think it was a comic when he fought the Vision of Darth Maul, and he was like, "What can you possibly hate so much?" And Vader's response was, "Myself." Like he, he if he couldn't hold on to the hate, he couldn't continue healing himself, which is why he had to have the whole chamber, and <clears throat> well, in Legends at least. But I mean, yeah, the, the whole, and I know we're going to probably talk about the the balance here in a second, but that was the whole like dark side aspect. The balance. The balance is one of those dredge in your topics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but yeah, no, you know, speaking of Vader, I, I love New Canon Vader. Uh, I, I might not have been a big fan of Legends Vader. I, I, was I wasn't. Something really? about him. I thought he was a wimp, and now yeah. and he's just like he's sitting next to Palpatine, and he is like seething with hatred. And Palpatine's just sitting there next to him, just like I know. I, I, <laughs> Vader. 
Vader was interesting at times in the old but right. he, but he was so widely covered that it was hard, hard he was one of those characters that really suffered from being portrayed a lot of different ways yeah I could agree yeah. with that and in the movies he doesn't actually in my opinion has never come across as that scary because like literally everybody gets to give him orders like <laughs> he can't even choke out that one subordinate in, the, in, in episode 4 Tarkin's That's like Vader stop and Vader's just like alright so, um, I think he gets, he gets a little bit more more space to to choke uh, in Empire, and then just a little bit. But <laughs> no, yeah, nobody, I, I completely agree. But, yes. but like in the new canon, they've done a good job of building a storyline, um, and I actually think Rebels is part of this. And again, I can't touch on it, but there's an event in that that I think is very influential on Vader, and kind of shows why in four five and six he actually comes across as kind of a broken man rather than yes. the the wrecking ball and object of of in, of animate fury that he is and uh, referred to even in four five and six like there's a disconnect even in four five and six with right. the way they describe him and the way, and the way he is portrayed yeah and, and more to the point in uh in tarkin and in lords of the sith you also go into the mind of Vader, which you don't really get to, or which they, is incredible. They've done it, but it was more mechanical in the character that Vader was. Um, so when you look at him in Tarkin and Vader, and he's having these horrible, or horrible for Anakin memories of uh, his friends and his family that he's lost or killed, uh, it really tears at you. I mean, you you do see how tragic he is when he. Uh, you know, he has certain thoughts and he can't say the person's name or he'll he'll give him a nickname or he'll say the nickname that they used to have because just thinking of their name itself is too much, too much pain. Yeah, and he spends a lot of time just whipping himself into an angry fury to kind of escape the demons. And it's just I mean, it's an it's those books. There's there's the writings questionable at points. The stories are not necessarily the best I've ever read, but the characterization of everybody is actually really good. Yes. Uh, the one I like to point to is I can't remember. It's the Hera and Kanan novel. Uh, I, I haven't been able to to read A New Dawn because I just think the opening is, is, is so. So the weird thing about that book is that it's the worst story where nothing happens, but all of the characters are so good. That I, I I did finish it, but like the story, you it's just one of those where you read re, you read it and you're like, this is this is it, this is this is the big plot. <laughs> well, see, I I want to read it now because I've read Aftermath, and speaking of another book that is uh, not of the best quality, uh, Aftermath has Sloane, and oh, Sloane is my girl. <laughs> I knew nothing. I heard nothing about Sloane until I read that book, and then I remembered. She's in a new dawn. Now I have to go back and pick that up again. So I think you should read a new dawn anyway because it's the basis of like there's I have an interesting theory about Kanan and uh his he has a lot of parallels actually in his story with Anakin. Um Well, it's, it's And he nice. actually makes he actually makes the categorically different choice than Anakin in a lot of very similar situations, which I think is an interesting. And I don't know if it's intentional, but like I'm going to do a spoiler now. There's a scene in Rebels where uh, Kanan's um maybe love interest is heavily wounded and he goes off on a mission to deal with the person who wounded her. And like when I was watching the episode, I was talking to my friend and I was like, Oh, here's where Kanan goes to my dark side. And he, he doesn't like, he continues to act every inch, the Jedi through the whole thing. And I think that's interesting because Fanakin's Anakin's fall sort of started 
in a similar situation mm-hmm. in which he he went the other route, the the Tuscan slaughter. Yeah, which is of course a great scene in the Darth Vader comics. <laughs> it was not a great scene in the movie. I actually liked it a lot in the movie. I I loved it. I thought oh. it was. It, I thought it was well. Okay, we have we have opposing opinions. Yeah, yeah, on yeah. yeah. Well, and you have to remember that when I was watching the prequels, I I thought of Vader as kind of a wimp anyway. So like, for, yeah, and child. I guess it's I was coming at it from the, from the opposite side. I was like, who? What? Who is this? You but, already uh, killed Boba Fett. I'm done with you guys. There is a uh, there's one scene in the Vader comic where uh, the last panel is just Vader on a whim decided to just go slaughter a whole bunch of Tuscans. Oh, you know what? I remember reading that comic, and yep. it was like. It was him in like a basin, and they were all like surrounding him. Was that was yeah. that the one? No, I I was thinking of the new Vader comics of the okay. new canon. Yeah, um, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Oh god, he was jeez. I, I think Vader, you know, just on weekends when he's getting tired of getting bossed around by Tarkin, just says, <laughs> "You know what? Let me just make a quick trip to Tatooine." You know what he probably yeah. does? He probably goes in and he mind tricks all of them and tapes a little Tarkin mask on each Tuscan. <laughs> <laughs> and then just goes to town. Have have either of you seen uh, Annie the Musical? Uh, no. By team, um, I think it's. Oh gosh, who is it? I'll have to hang on. I'll have to. Kashin Kashin and Chat will know what I'm talking about and give her give us a second to catch up on that one. But both of you, both of you need to watch. This is my understanding of like Star Kid Potter. Thank you, Kashin. Star Kid Potter and it's Annie the musical I think is what it is. Just just go YouTube it. It's right. amazing. That'll be my homework after this. Post stream. So, <laughs> post post stream assignment for you guys. <laughs> I expect I expect full laughter tomorrow in chat. Oh, don't worry about it. So, <laughs> speaking of um characterization in the new I think that's one of the things that the new uh canon is doing incredibly well is that they're creating very cohesive narratives for all of the characters um including the new ones well and so kind of touching on that right you know do you think you know i i know that a lot of people poke not really poke fun at but their complaint with the legends eu was always that it kind of was it kind of seemed like they didn't have really a direction to go in and do you think, you know, just from your guys' opinion, this is kind of my opinion, and so I'm kind of curious what you guys think about this, but I kind of always took that as they started out with a project, and they're like, you know, yeah, our job is to make sure that this thing kind of stays on the rails to a degree. I don't think they expected Star Wars EU to explode as much as they did. I mean, it, they kind of did, but the thing is, is that they had a very open approach to it. Um, right. I actually have a copy of the old style guide that uh, Timothy Zahn wrote ages mm-hmm. ago, and I mean, like, it's pretty bare bones, right? It's really like don't don't kill main characters. Well, yeah, because I think that was don't, like the one golden rule is you couldn't kill a main character. There's a few. Lucas. There's don't there's don't kill new characters. Don't outdo the Death Star. Which obviously they broke once, at least once, and like things like that, right? Like at least once. basically move, move, make new stories. Um, don't keep rehashing the same things. Point. Yeah. So I mean, but I mean, so in the new EU, you know, obviously there's also a very, the very big difference of not having Lucas involved, right? So they have 
you know, in my opinion, a bit more freedom. We've had this conversation in chat. Um, would they have a bit more freedom in the sense that they know that the the stories to a degree that they're writing in the EU are going to be within the canon, whereas before in the legends it was kind of always assumed that Lucas's EU or Lucas's canon was not the canon. Of, Lucas could steamroll whatever he wanted. Right, at any time. he could do whatever he wanted basically. And he always made it very clear that his universe and his view was not the same necessarily as the one that was in the Legends EU. But in, I mean, in the current, for the most, for the most part, it, it was pretty. Yeah, similar, it was though. to a degree. But I mean, there's there's off there's there's a number of issues. I mean, the prequels are pretty. Good so, so the biggest thing is that he really could just. It was more. It was less that it wasn't canon, and it was more that it was not canon the minute he didn't want it to be. Right. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yes. But I mean, well, so now that that threat is that threat kind of. Would you guys do you guys think that that threat is gone in the new new EU? Is that kind of the the stance? I'm not even that- sure that the threat is gone is the right answer. What I think that the, we we're really seeing here is just a maturity, a maturing in storytelling, right? I mean, star Wars along with like star Trek and like the old D and D books are some of the first, like just like single genre splatter book that's things true. we've ever seen. Well, right? that's, true. Like, that's true. Yeah. And so I think that what Disney did was basically, I mean, they, they leveled up, they went into a prestige class and they started over. I like kind this of, so to speak. I like this. <laughs> well, I agree. I with also this. think. I also think with the old legends, uh, you had two. You had too many people giving their own opinions onto Star Wars, which isn't to say that it should have been only Lucas and only Lucasfilm, Lucasarts, such like that. Right. Right. No. Um, but you had you had a number of contradictions in storytelling. Um, that didn't just come from the novels, but came from everything. Because at some point, you couldn't say that something wasn't canon. Anything that had Star Wars on it was canon to some degree. So yeah. you had multiple stories of the Force Wars. You, The only older public storyline that stuck was KOTOR into SOTOR. And, you know, vaguely you can see the connections between that and Bane because of some references... But things got very convoluted, and even post, uh, post the classic trilogy, and somebody said this on a podcast once. I don't remember. It must have been, might have been the Force Cast. Um, Star Wars became less science fantasy and science fic- and became more science fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the storytelling, if it wasn't uninteresting, it was way too radical. Well, um, and it was it was inconsistent. Yes, and it was inconsistent, but I'm thinking stuff like like Fate of the Jedi having the storyline that it did. Uh, yeah. I could – I read of it, but I would not have read it. Uh, it well, seemed too much, whereas and- I don't see that inconsistency here. We have the Lucas Story Group who, if they are not creating or if they're not thinking up the ideas or stories outright, um, they're reviewing them in a committee, quote-unquote – um, but they're trying to keep things going in a straight line. And if they are going to uh, divert themselves in any way, they make sure that they bring themselves back, which I think is probably the greatest part. Well, 
And that's what I mean by maturing, right? They right. know they have all of those lessons of the EU. And one of the big problems with the EU, honestly, was at the end that they were just frantically trying to top themselves every series. So things got ludicrous. It's one reason why I think Legacy was so good is because it was so far out that it didn't suffer from that quite as much. It got kind of a reset. But I mean, after the use on Vong War and like you said, the fate of the Jedi and all of that other stuff, like it just got kind of crazy. Well, and they, I mean, I guess the way that I look at it was they kind of use Legends <clears throat> as a, a, not really a rough draft, but a, I guess a, a mock-up of what is possible. Because, you know, like, we're, like we've said repeatedly, you know, the Legends EU is not completely 100% retconned. It's kind of in a, a, a weird limbo where they can pull pieces of it back if they need, you know, like, you know, we're all, we've, we talked about Thrawn. You know, Thrawn is one of those, those characters that everyone that I talk to who knows their Star Wars lore is like, when are they, when is they, when are they introducing him? Because well, he was, he was such a, a pivotal character. And they've even, yeah, well, they've and, even yeah, and, and, and they have to make him chiss. Like, <laughs> they've even teased somebody who could potentially be him. Um, uh, the white cloak? In a, no, uh, in a couple of the novels, they talk about somebody. Um, aftermath. Yeah, aftermath. Who they talk about this brilliant and powerful imperial admiral who is off in the outer rim. Yes. And like they don't they don't tell who he is, but I mean that it for those who may not be familiar, Thrawn is an alien grand admiral, which is uh, Palpatine was a racist, so that's kind of in a xenophobic empire. That's yeah, amazing. and so. He was basically too brilliant to deny, but because he was an alien, he got shuffled off to the Outer Rim to do his work, which is why he survived um, the the destruction of the Death Star and came back in the Thrawn trilogy to almost almost win the war for the good guys, but the Vile Republic. <laughs> there it is. The, there it is. But the, the Vile Republic won out in the end. Well, you know, there's there are going to be supporters on every side. I mean, I well, it's funny because I was not until I read the Thrawn trilogy. But oh, between Thrawn, Thrawn and Thrawn, pa- yeah. between Thrawn and Paleon, that Paleon, yeah, and, and, and Sloan now, like those that hashtag Sloan. that's my empire. Well, you know, there's there's only one code. Then peace is a lie. There's only passion. <laughs> I, well, I do tend towards more the Sith too, but I'm actually I want to touch on this that I think one of the things they've done that Thrawn did really well, and that some of the new stuff in the new canon is doing really well, is that they made the Empire believable because they put in people who were true believers, people who had been stepped on or who had dealt with the Republic's corruption, people who mm-hmm. just wanted order, right? Not Tarkin and his, his power hunger and not Palpatine and his many madnesses, but like, <laughs> but people, I mean, Phasma looks to be one of those from force awakens, right? Yes. Uh, right. Well, Callus, Callus from rebels is one of them, right? Yes, these are, Callus, these definitely. are de- decent people who may very well be trying to make the universe better in the way they see. Um, and let's face it. Even just from the movies, the Republic is not perfect. It's not good at all. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's the whole. I mean, because even they, in they Legends, were letting people on Naboo starve to death over a trade dispute. Like, right, that's but I mean, think about corrupt. even in Legends after after the after the Rebel victory. For God's sakes, look at uh, in the Vong series, the Bothans. Oh, isn't it Aftermath too, where they where Leia? 
questions her the reforming of the Republic? Is it Aftermath where she does that? Uh, I I think that might have been the beginning of the Force Awakens novel because Leia gets a it, lot. Oh, you're right. It's the Force Awakens novel. Yeah, Leia literally like she's questioning. The, I think she's the, the whole first chapter. Um, as <laughs> um, well. But yeah, no. Uh, in respect to the Empire, what what they gave us, which I may not be remembering properly, uh, but what they gave us are just the everyday person mm-hmm. who they may not be maniacal. They may not have their own agenda. They may just think that this is what it is. This is the right. I mean, there's know. that there's that class too, right? There's the class that just believes the propaganda because there's nothing else out there, right? And let's let's be fair. I I use the uh, the card trader app. Empire's got some great propaganda. When I get those oh. propaganda cards and I see, you know, all these buckets and they're like, join us now. Uh, I have pictures from uh, from the New York City Discovery uh, costume exhibit for Star Wars. And they have like three or four uh, propaganda posters. And it's like Vader leading the charge. It, it's great. You can't do this alone. Yes, that's the one. Love that. I, mean, I love that card. That, how, that poster. How, like, how would you not want to join that? <laughs> well, and I mean, one of the things that I think the, that the legends and the movies didn't do a great job of is sort of explaining why the empire was allowed to grow to the power that it did. Right. And it's something that you have to kind of connect. But I mean, if you look at at like a the Clone Wars and the fatigue of a galaxy wide struggle for like two or three years or however long it lasted in addition to all of the corruption, right? Like the people were, I mean, the, the, the little people were probably sick of all of that stuff. Well, yeah, and they were just, the- they were just ready for it to end. I mean, that's after, well, I mean, if after you a at- certain amount of time, you know, it's just, what does it take to go back to a symbol, semblance of peace? Yeah. So, <laughs> With all that being said, I know the next the next kind of thing that we're going to touch on is, you know, the very, very big subject of the Force as the duct tape. There's a light side and a dark side, and it binds the universe together. So, I guess, what is, is there a major difference from the Legends EU's treatment of the Force? I know... You know, obviously, the current mythology has those those ever beloved mitochondrians that everyone just either loves or doesn't care about. You either absolutely hate those things, or you just don't care. Like okay, I've, well, I've, I've found that there's not really people who are like, no, those those things really explain a lot. There's either <laughs> the people who are like, don't talk about them, or they're just like, eh. Well, I I could agree. The mitochondrians they could. Let the people who want to argue about that argue about that. Uh, I don't really think it's a big deal. Um, but in terms of the dark side and the light side, um, there and in the old EU, um, we've actually had some concepts about the Force return in some way or shape. Um, so, for example, in one Rebels episode, uh, a Lasat elder and Lasat being the same species as wow I just blanked out on his name Seb as Seb yeah um the Lasat elder mentions Ash Ashla which for the legends 
is the name of the light side, and the name of the dark side is Bogon. Um, and in the old EU, you also had the two moons of Tython that were Ashla and Bogon. Uh, so just bringing that right back in, uh, we have probably one of the biggest philosophical ideas of the Force that comes back. Um, now there's... I'm of the opinion... Uh, of Bane's opinion on the dark side. Um, where Bane has the idea that the dark side of the Force is finite, um, and it needs to be condensed into as few individuals as possible. And this is sort of my rationale as to why the Sith are so powerful uh, in respect to the hundreds of Jedi throughout the galaxy in the Republic. How can one singular Sith Lord, be he Master or Apprentice, be able to take out the waves and waves of enemies and such like that? Um, and that, it it really goes with... Uh, and I mean, hey, we're on a Destiny podcast. It really goes with the sky and the deep. Mm-hmm. You know, the deep. Oh teams. wait, let me get my let me get my meme ready for the chat. <laughs> <laughs> but Blue, the, Blue knows what I'm talking about. Jimmy Godwin's law. <laughs> the, the takes and Bane's idea is, you know, you have to you have to fully dominate the force. That is that is also just a dark side idea. Um, even even in the Dark Disciple novel that focuses on Asajj Ventress, um, she is teaching Quinlan Vos that he has to dominate the Force and dominate the Dark Side to dominate this Dark Side being. It, it's it's all the same concept. Whereas the Sky, the Light Side, it's about sharing compassion. It gives, and you happily receive and give to the next, and that's how that power grows. And somehow I managed to kill two minutes of this podcast. <laughs> so I kind of think a little bit differently because we see two different user types of force use, uh, dark side users, for example, right? We have a number of examples of people who've used the dark side and have not been consumed by it, so to speak. Um, Revan being the most notable example um, because he was a Sith Lord for a considerable amount of time and had none of the physicality issues that, for example, his apprentice, uh, Darth Malak, was consumed by. Uh, Palpatine also had issues with it. We actually don't know with Anakin where he falls in that spectrum, because obviously Obi-Wan and him's last uh, last boys' night out turned out a little <laughs> little shady. Um, <laughs> You're supposed to be the chosen one! Yeah, they had a, they had a little tiff at the they had a falling out at the bar. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, it was not. It was not. A, it was not a pretty night out. Annie, to throw Annie, Annie did not have the high ground. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> um, and so I, I actually, I think a lot of it may in my in my idea of it, a lot of it may be intent too, because um, hmm. a lot of the force users that we see being consumed by the dark side um, are, let's face it, jerkbags, right? Palpatine. Not not a good guy. Darth Malak was not a good guy. Um, Nihilus and what Jason. was the other guy's name? Don't don't um, say his name. Like wait until the last because I I don't want to scream yet. Scion, Scion, Scion. Yeah, we're both we're both fairly evil people, and they were consumed by it. Um, 
sorry, sorry. <laughs> His hatred is just so great. It's it's palpable. I mean, it's it's radiating it really across is. the room. My water's so, turning red. Uh, but but no, I I agree. You have at least in the <laughs> in the in the new canon uh, or whatever in the EU. Um, you have the Sith who are if they're not dominated by the dark side, if they're not consumed by it, uh, they do control it very well. Uh, I don't know how I want to say that. Um, you also have the night sisters who I almost want to say live entirely off the dark side. Um, and not, not like they don't don't uh, see it at least in the old EU, they don't see it as the light side or the dark side. They, they're basically just opportunistic. Right. So are the night sisters, I saw that in the show notes, are the night sisters the same? As the Night Sisters from the the Legends, we don't. I don't know. believe they're so. the same concept. Mm-hmm. But, but they're not. Are they? Know. Are they from Dathomir? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And, we don't and, know how much of their stuff is continuing. Yeah, in the Clone okay. Wars, um, as they're shown through Asajj and Mother Talzin, they do actively uh, practice dark side magic, uh, and they recognize the dark side as it is. They, but they're different from the Sith. Uh, right, and right. Well, they were the, always more like primal. Yeah, and whatever, uh, whatever Sith traditions uh, constitute being a Sith. Well, I'm really bad with my English today. Um, whatever that is, they are. They have no relations to. Uh, and like you said, it's more primal. It seems. Uh, it also seems more natural. Well, uh, and they 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 use both even in Clone Wars, right? Because they heal yeah. Ventress with the Force, which is not a Sith thing. Well, well, yeah. but in, I, Le- I, well, in Legends, I it think was. about some of the healing abilities that the Sith Sorcerer had in uh, the Old Republic MMO. But yeah, because yeah. in Legends, the, the, there was so, the whole thing with <clears throat> that was the whole thing with Vader is like he could heal himself, but he couldn't. He couldn't. He would get happy when he healed so himself. And then so there's also and there's, connection, and and I, but I'm talking for the new stuff at the very least. But right, yes, there right. is that. But yeah, the, the healing is intrinsically sort of the light side. You can sort of stitch yourself back together using the dark side, um, which is is definitely something that we see. Darth Sion is a good example, a guy who is long dead and literally held his body and soul together through the dark side. But that healing itself, repairing sort of the entire physicality is light side. And they definitely do that to Ventress in Clone Wars. Yes. And then they use some of their other, uh, they use their magic to empower Savage, um, to revitalize Maul. And I think it's, I think it's pretty cool, but mother Talzin sort of, uh, manifest this saber from the force, this, lime green saber. I think it's amazing. And I, so I think that she's quite the capable swordswoman. I think that they're keeping so I think that the Sith and the Jedi and their their sort of single minded devotion to aspects of the force is that's unique to them. A lot of neutral force wielders, so to speak, may gravitate towards one or the other, but they don't they're not as polarized. Yes. And uh, this is where you also have the uh the latest edition really, the Knights of Ren. Uh I, I put the Inquisitors in the show notes, but the Inquisitors are really just what they always were, if I recall. I mean, they're just tools, basically. They're not. Yeah, exactly. They're they are uh, 
they're equivalent to the old acolytes or the old assassins who were trained in the dark side but were not trained in the rights of the Sith. Um, and now we and have the barely trained in the dark side, right? Yes, and their their aptitude in dark side is is very basic. Um, but you know, now we have the Knights of Ren, and we really don't know what that means. Uh, we but, know that Kylo is a master. We kn- yes, he's the master of the Knights. Or no, he is and a master. A not the. Badass. He said he really? said a master. See, now I have to go watch that film and have myself Because <laughs> I, I remember looking at that and I was like, wait, hang on. But you have to remember, in the context that it said, the, yeah, Grey Jedi is a concept we can touch on, uh, too. But, well, yeah. But uh, in the context he's saying in an A-Master of the Knights of Ren could mean still the Master. Right, right? Cause no, he it, says could, he is it, a could, master. it could mean, you know, the surviving or it could mean that he is he is the one who has mastered the Knights of Ren because right. I assume that they're they're probably a Thunderdome sort. You yeah, know, if it has anything to do because that, that reminds me a lot of um, talk about the new the uh, young Jedi Knights, the uh, Shadow Academy. Yes, yeah, that reminds Breakfast. me a lot of that. <laughs> and one thing that I want to mention here too is that like one of the few things Mister Abrams has come out and actually said, which is weird, so probably has double meaning, <laughs> is that Kylo Ren is not a Sith, right? He does not follow the Sith traditions, which probably means that Snoke isn't one either. Well, or it could be like um, Zeke from Shadow Academy. Yeah. He's just That's a true. dark... That's... He's a dark Jedi. Or not a dark Jedi. He's a uh, dark Force user. Which, I, which Zeke, is what I believe is... Because Zeke wasn't a Sith, but he used the dark, he used the dark side. Yeah. But again, but even, is... even as we're seeing in the new canon, it's not like... There's just the Jedi and the Sith, right? And I guess that's that's the other thing is because I know well. I mean, because even in Legends, there wasn't because it was more of a a philosophy. I guess you would say the Sith was at least the Jedi kind of. Well, so weird. one reason why I'm mentioning this is that one of the themes that's happening a lot in the new EU is that there is a blurring of the line between uh. the Jedi and Sith a lot. Um, so they're 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 playing with the Shadow Knight or the Gray Jedi. Well, not really. So I have this wild spinfoil hat theory that the Jedi and Sith really are two halves of the same coin, and they need to stop being Hetfield and McCoy about it. You know, you know, someone else in the Legends had that same theory. <laughs> Revan. <laughs> well, I was thinking of someone else that you don't want to name, but no, he didn't. He was a whiny, petulant child. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've we've established that Jason and Kylo are the same character. I'll continue. No, because I like one of them, and you'll shut your you'll shut your damn mouth. Wow, Um, do you like Kylo? (laughs) Um, but but like so back to my topic. Ventress, like you see Ventress and Ahsoka work together, right? You see Ventress and Quinlan Vaughn Foss work together. Um, like the the barriers in a lot of places fall down between the two of them. Uh, between the Jedi and the Sith, and I'm, I, I wonder if that's not the balance in the Force that is mentioned, is that they're supposed to get so, over their crap, so to speak. Well, so here... The, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, there's there's a theory going out there that that is precisely what Snoke is trying to do, um, and he's trying to do it with Kylo Ren, who is born of the light side, who is incredibly strong in the light side, 
But what he's trying to do is balance both sides of the coin into Kylo Ren and thus create the balance. Uh, In the old EU from the fandom, there were a lot of thoughts on what it meant to have balance. And why was Anakin the chosen one? Was he the chosen one because he destroyed the Sith and the light side needed to be balanced? Was he the chosen one because he, at some point in his life, uh, tread through both paths? So that's sort of what's going on here uh, with the Kylo and Snoke theory uh, that Snoke is trying to have as his apprentice or as his tool the most powerful being because he walks that middle road. So I think I think that is definitely true. Um, but I think so. I think it. So there's a lot of concepts that aren't mentioned in the Force Awakens, right? We don't hear anything about the Sith realistically. We don't hear anything about the Empire properly. Mm-hmm. The first the First Order may be where the Empire went, but it may also not be necessarily um and i definitely think that uh i definitely think that you're right that snoke is trying to create somebody who can who can wield both sides but i think that we may see more of that blending elsewhere too possibly in a non-villainous way um, well, that's that's true in the sense of uh, you know as you're bringing up Ventress and Ahsoka when you learn about their character or their most recent characters, uh, their most recent character developments. Um, at least with Ahsoka, you know Dave Filoni points out why are her lightsabers white because she's not a Jedi anymore. And yeah, she very specifically. Um, and you see the same idea in Ventress in her novel where her lightsabers are yellow, which – and she sort of dis- – uh, now she completely disassociates herself with the Sith. But she even tries to disassociate herself with her Night Sisters, um, really keeping the only relic being that bow. So it's it's true. As you say, you want to – you know, we're trying this uh, – I guess the new – the Lucas Story Group is really testing out this – gray Jedi, this uh, simple force wielder idea that is kind of new. I mean, it's not really, it's the gray Jedi is seen in the legends. Right. But, but it's, well, and I'm not, this, I'm not necessarily talking person, about, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. But, but seeing this one person who has no affiliation, who, who almost just is and where they, you know, where they decide to turn is just on their whim for that day. Uh, I think that's new and I think that's interesting. And I think it also deals a lot with, uh, with some of the more, uh, omnipotent characters that are shown, especially in the Clone Wars. Um, and I'm thinking of the characters from the Mortis trilogy and from Yoda's saga as well, who, even though they are, they're strictly defined in their characteristics, at least with, the family of Mortis, uh, even they walk this line where they can at any point, you know, go beyond or return in whatever, you know, whatever way that may be. Well, so I'm not talking necessarily about like one order blending the light and the dark. I'm talking about orders that use them working together, right? Because like one of the, like originally the Jedi 
exiled the dark side, the dark Jedi, because they didn't like the dark side. And then the dark side struck back, and it started, like I said, a Hetfield and McCoy situation in which they had so so much hatred for each other that they couldn't even begin to conceive of it. And I actually have a, a theory that the Mortis family is an effect of that because in a, in a way these people are tied to their, to the order and there's so many Jedi and so many Sith, you know, imprinting their way of things on, on the, the force itself that I think that maybe that's the balance that needs to happen is to not have this, um, well, well, okay, so hang on real quick. So, lightsabers. Go back to that conversation. Uh, so, color is more important in current mythology than no. it was in Legends? No. It, as far as we know, it doesn't mean anything in current. Okay. It's really specific to Ahsoka and Ventress. Okay, because um, okay. I was like... Those are the only ones we know of. There, there, are, there are two... There are at least two Jedi... I know of who don't have lightsabers that are tr- the traditional blue and uh, and green, and that is Mace, who obviously is lightsabers purple, and I forget the name For of reasons that were not in uh, war because he just wanted it because he uh, wanted a purple lightsaber. I I forget the re- uh, I forget the name of the other. It's an elderly Jedi who uh, assisted. He his lightsaber silver. Well, yeah. In lead, and well, then no, in, in the, current EU, the temple, the temple guards, they all have yellow saber pikes, which is uh, uh, which is sort of canonizing part of the EU. In the, right. the sentinels, in the sentinels and the shadows, used yellow. Yes. The other thing to note is that there's a gray area. Going back to the term gray in the new canon, in which um, there's a board game company called Fantasy Flight Games. <laughs> that is producing an awful lot of Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we're not 100% sure exactly where their stuff falls. It definitely includes the new canon. We're not sure if their stuff canonizes stuff, but their stuff does use the same color scheme that the old legends do, which is that blue is the sort of the guardians and warrior color. Yellow is sort of the... Sage. The, 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 sort, of, the sort of sage um, and... Uh, counselor, scholar. Okay, so like the no. The, well, that was that was green. Green was counselor. Yeah, yeah. Or was the, was the sage and yellow's the sort of the secret police almost um, the shadow and the sentinel. Right. So, but I mean, because like you had, I mean, I'm just thinking Cornhorn uh, from Legends. His his saber was silver, uh, and then you you know you had you had. You had a lot of aberrant ones that didn't necessarily right. mean anything, right? The purple I mean, didn't necessarily mean anything. The silver, the black, the yellow, the red. The red was just an accident, right? Sith used alchemy to make their crystals, and that's—I mean—that's that's why they were red. The Sith didn't give a crap what color their saber were. It's just yeah, as long as it what the process. Yeah. Well, because like, as long they as they also, kill people with it, they also didn't. They also, uh, I at least I know for Shadow Academy, they mass produced them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They okay. have an alchemical process. To oh, just yeah, yeah, okay, okay, sorry. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, the Jedi had very specific grounds um, in which they could... And by the time the, the Clone Wars rolls around, there was one left, basically. Um, oh, which was ill. Yeah. Fair enough, yeah. Yeah, because then you have... Yeah, because the Darksaber. Is the Darksaber in the current one? Yes. <sighs> oh, no! 
It's it's still canon. It's so yep. beautiful. It's, <laughs> the, it's awesome. The but death, it's, the Death Watch still have it, right? No, I I I think that saber went missing at the end of the Clone Wars because uh, Maul has it when he fights Sidious in season five, and right. I don't believe he has it in the comic that follows. So where the dark saber ended up, I don't know. But Sidious probably is has it, it the same as well, the Legends. <laughs> we don't. I don't know. No, oh, we okay. don't know. There's no necessary connection. Okay. It, okay. It, it intimates that it is, but we don't. Given that Maz Kanata can somehow find Luke's lightsaber on Bespin, and okay, let's it. not give her the credit. Her Obviously, it was some Ugnaught. <laughs> some enterprising young Ugnaught was like rolling was, around and like you know what? He killed was his going, buddy by turning it on. He and was then going he's like, for well, the hand. Actually, he wasn't going for the lightsaber. It was just collateral bonus. No, his friend was going for the hand, and that's why he got killed. <laughs> actually, that that makes me think of the Family Guy special. After, after it happened, then he's looking for his hand, and the hand is in the guy's crotch. <laughs> Uh, so so but i mean okay so going back i know like at the beginning we started we kind of started talking about how the legends kind of was slipping more into the science science fiction instead of the science fantasy and you know a lot of people don't really differentiate the two but star wars has always been more in my mind has always been more science fantasy whereas you know star trek would be the science fiction you know, Even Star Trek's light science fiction, but well, and true. I mean, it would, yeah, true. I mean, okay, I will give you that. It is more science fiction than Star Wars. Yeah. So, well, but I mean, so is the current mythology kind of a return to the science fantasy, or is it? For sure. It is for sure. I mean, just looking at Force Awakens, right? That I mean, it's 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 woo woo stuff all over, right? Like they're definitely going back to their roots of kind of high coincidence and mm-hmm. uh, and the well in the guidance of the force right because i know when we were talking about the sith you know even even in the sith it sounds like it's it's the intent it's not the the actual practice or the the scientific use of this power source it's you know because you guys were saying the physical consequences of using the powers kind of seem to follow the intent of the the wielder not necessarily the channeling of the power well that that always seems to me kind of be more of a a fan fantastical you know well and i don't there's no there's no evidence of that in the new canon um unfortunately because my prime example darth revan is in a weird limbo where he's oh, okay, okay. almost canonized, but he was cut at the last second. So, yeah, quite literally, actually, he was supposed to appear in the Mortis trilogy with Darth. I'm actually, and I'm actually happy they did because they were going to use him as a dark side character, and i i would have I would have rioted. Well, I mean, it, I actually don't think it matters all that much with Revan if they were going to keep his storyline, because then you know that he has his redemption. But uh, yeah, no, it's. Uh, but like in terms of like physicality, I mean, you have characters like uh, uh, like Count Dooku, and you could argue it's because he became a Sith much later in his life. But Count Dooku is completely of the dark side, and you know the most you get of his affliction is the change of his irises, which is right. standard for for all Siths or for all. For most and actually, that's a good that's a good example too because Dooku is a Sith, but is 
he is distinct from Palpatine in that he does still seem to have some shreds of honor. Um, that's, not, that's true. Not yeah. a lot, but he he does. You do get the impression both from Clone Wars, I guess mostly from Clone Wars. You don't really see a whole lot of it in the movies, but that he is legitimately sort of trying to do again the right thing in the way he sees it as the right thing. Yeah, and I mean it's it, it's a lot of. Uh... I think he actually learns well from his master. It's a lot of uh, the politics that he does. He is not only the leader of the separatist, uh, the confederacy of separatist uh, systems, um, but it's also how he uh, manipulates them into doing what he needs them to do. Uh, there's a there's a great story arc with Padme uh, where she goes and she meets her friend who's a separatist, and you really get to see what the separatist is like. They have their own assembly. Uh, and Dooku is very much the supreme chancellor of the Separatists, and everything is very civil, which is not something that you would expect from a Sith Lord. Uh, that's. I mean, and, he was kind of a crappy Sith Lord. Let's. let's well, face no, it. yes, he was. <laughs> but it's not something that you'd expect from the ruthlessness that you do actually see in Dooku throughout the Clone Wars, and. You do kind of get the idea that, yeah, he's a Sith, he's power-hungry, he wants to overthrow his master, but, you know, it's it's the ends justifies the means, it's all good. You know, that's how yeah. we think of it. <clears throat> you definitely get the impression he's approaching the Sith from a kind of pseudo-Jedi perspective. Y- yes, of really, you know, this, I-, I need to do this, you know, like other Which has, has some parallel to Revan, actually. <laughs> You know, I, I see, I foresee things in the future going poorly, and I have to uh, join them to stop it. Wow! I, need to I mean, stop. I, he doesn't even need to look to the future, right? The Republic was in shambles <laughs> oh, at that point. It. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, well, no, I'm not. Know. I'm not taking the bait. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is what this podcast has turned into. Is how how far can we push the toe the line before before Damo <laughs> before Damo gets the before Damo gets the the Twitch stream shut down by screaming obscenities. <laughs> but okay, so you know, and kind of, kind of to point back into the, you know, we have this this really cool kind of thing in the show notes on the midichlorians, and I kind of want to talk about that too. And so you were, you said like, you know, I think this is a. Do you have a quote from? Uh, is it Rebel okay, Force so, Radio? Is that, yeah. Is so uh, Rebel Force right. Radio, which I'll talk about them later on at the end. Um, one of their guest hosts had this, I thought it was a great quote, on the midichlorians. Um, and he says that the existence of the midichlorians is not the problem. What he found to be the problem was that the Jedi Order felt the need to invest time into the science behind the Force. Um, and they put too much weight on midichlorians as they are... Uh, in respect to individuals throughout the galaxy and not putting enough respect into the force. Uh, and you kind of see this where, was, where was yes, exactly. They, they lack the same reverence that they used to have, which is, uh, which is not to say that they need to blindly follow dogma, but they, there is a corruption in the Jedi Order, which is that they're losing their philosophy. And you see this more when you get into the Clone Wars or when you get into the event of the Clone Wars. Uh, that the Jedi are no longer peacekeepers. They're no longer guardians. They're no longer protectors. They've become 
generals. They've become uh, fighters in this war, in this conflict. Uh, and it changes people. You know, throughout the Clone Wars, you see it. You have characters like Kit Fisto's uh, apprentice, Nada Ved, who, as soon as he becomes a knight and he completes his trials, he wants to, you know, defeat all the Separatists and become this great war hero. Um, a great example, of course, is Anakin, who is this amazing war hero, and you almost can't tell him that he's doing something wrong. And half of it is that this is Anakin's character, and the other half is he's getting, you know, delusions of grandeur that he I doesn't mean, the, the, need. <laughs> I think the two best examples are the Jedi uh, Master, whose name I don't remember, but the, the guy who leads the clones and is basically oh, already fallen to the dark side and is just egging them on and sacrificing them and sort of murdering this is gonna them. Kill me. This is, I'm, I'm going to have to look them up because if I see um, And then the second like, one is Barris uh, yes. Ophi, who actually like detonates a bomb in the Jedi Temple and frames Ahsoka for it. Um, and uh, you're, you're right. that the, the, And this actually ties into my theory that there, there may need to be an order that is more aggressive. Um, though I think that the Jedi's primary problem is not that they research the midichlorians. I think that's actually important to understand where the Force comes from, um, as evidenced by Yoda's, Yoda's arc at the end of Clone Wars, where he does just that. I think that their bigger problem was, and as you said, their, their wild arrogance and, and dogma. Um, I think that's what led to the fall of the Jedi in that last era. See, I don't... I, I want to disagree with the... Uh, not that I don't think it's important for them to understand, uh, but for them to put so much weight and credit on it, uh, I, I really think it takes away, especially when you get to the original trilogy and, sure... Uh, outside of this, you know that Luke is inevitably going to be powerful in the Force. And Yoda knows this because he's Anakin's son. But when you when you watch the original trilogy, it's more of you you sort of think, can I can I be a Jedi? Can I be strong in the Force? You know, is it just something that comes naturally? Or is it something that I have to go take a blood test for for them to tell me, hey, you know, you're only around 3K. This is not really going to help. It would, and I was thinking about this earlier today, it would be as if uh, after the collapse, the ghost just went around through all the bodies and, you know, they saw this one skeleton and said, oh, his light level is 140. This ain't going to help us. And they go to the next guy who's 335. But I mean, isn't that exactly what the ghost does i mean he can he even mentions that he found somebody else with amazing light and that's that's like it sort of takes away from the uniqueness of in in this sense of the jedi you know well and so you know because it it makes it seem like anybody can do it if the jedi work for it and and how they would work for it is up for debate, but that's what it really seems. Like. See, I never really got that impression. I never really got that the the work thing, right? Because they they continually mention you know people's power in the force, and there's you know the force is strong in this one. I always assumed that it was a, a natural inclination, a talent level, if you will. Um, and some people were good at it, and some people weren't. Well, because even in Legends, you had that to a degree. I mean, Anakin Solo was basically a savant. <laughs> You know, he he had that immense ability. I mean, both to, Luke and and Ray are savants, true, right? And, that, and that's my yeah, you know, kind of. But I think something that you said about 
you know, the 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 overpowering fascination with midichlorians kind of struck me. Um, and this is kind of, you know, in real life, we talk about the um, the dumbing down of, you know, supernatural forces. And I kind of talked about this actually with them when we talked about the light and darkness uh, back on episode 26. And there's a, it's, it's the reason why a lot of religious text uses allegorical uh, language is because by naturalizing the supernatural, you do a violence to the supernatural. You can, you can raise a natural thing into a supernatural state, but you can't lower a supernatural thing to a natural state without doing violence to it, which basically translates into you can't, you can't fit something that immense into a box of just basic science. Well, but you also have to remember that, I mean, the new, the new canon I don't know about, but the Force, only in really the original trilogy was the Force fully represented as supernatural. True, true. And even there, it's not, it, I mean, the, it, it binds us and flows through us is sort of leading you to think that it's actually the, the ultimate natural thing. Well, and, and, that's, cl- and that's true. Clone Wars touches on it more and, and kind of makes a weird divide between the cosmic force and the living force, um, which we still, which is still being explored, obviously. But I don't really see it as supernatural. I don't really see it as mystical. Um, I, like I said, I, I see it as, as true natural. No, um, I agree. It's, it's just, but it's like Blue said. There's, uh, there's, there's a dagger. Yeah, no, go for it. In what's going on with the Force, on account of the view of the Jedi, at least towards the end of the Old Republic. I think, but I think that has less to do with Metaclorians and more to do with, like I said, their overwhelming and mind-blowingly huge amount of arrogance. No, right. I mean, the, no, 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 no. But I, th- I think what what I took from that quote about the midichlorians is that it's not that you shouldn't question your faith. You know, Mm -hmm. questioning your faith is always a good thing. If you don't question your faith, you don't grow and you don't, you don't become a better person and you're just stagnant and you're, you don't, you just don't grow and that's not good. You want to grow, but at the same time, reducing your faith is also, not growing, right? I guess what I'm saying is that that is true, but I guess what I'm saying is I don't see midichlorians or the Jedi's reliance as that necessarily. I see that maybe as a symptom. Right, right. But I think the line the line from episode two where the, the librarian's like, if it's not in the Jedi archives, it doesn't exist at all, I think is a bigger mm-hmm. no, nod to the I problem. I agree with that. I, I totally, like, and we've had this conversation before. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree with that. As it is, it's, it's more of saying... Uh, at least what I'm saying is just an example of yeah. the failure of the Jedi, right. not that it is a failure. No, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely do think that it is a symptom. I, I will agree with that. Like it is, it is definitely a visible like Cause, cause symptom would, of their dogma and arrogance. Right. Cause I would, I would say that actually the reliance on midichlorian is in the same vein as that statement about the Jedi library. 
it's it's the whole oh you only have x amount of midichlorians you obviously aren't going to be that powerful the jedi well no that doesn't necessarily mean anything like it, it it could mean it could but it doesn't it's not it's not the end all be all right yeah. no and you have to remember that the jedi didn't at least usually like they would still accept people in maybe people washed out and didn't get taken as a padawan mm-hmm. and ended up in one of the the what like yeah, the agricor there was three different suborders of the Jedi where people basically washed out of the Jedi and into these programs where they could still utilize the force and they, and they did right. But they, they just never made it to night. Um, Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. The, the, I mean, Obi-Wan almost ended up there. True. Yeah. Um, In the old, uh, apprentice. Yeah. He barely got accepted. Just and I mean, he, he's, he's and he basically, I, I mean, he had huge impact on the galaxy. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess when I, when I read, God, what was it? The, uh, the midi chlorians, I can't help but think of, it wasn't the, it's not, I always confuse these things. It's not dark trooper. It's, it's the, ah, it was a, it was the, uh, Dark Forces? Yeah, it was the Dark Forces game. The stormtroopers that they were trying to imbue with the chemical to yep. make them force or force wielders. That's what I that's the first thing that comes to mind whenever someone says midichlorians is the that that experiment. Cause Oh god, it's gonna drive me insane what those things were. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't shadow well, troopers and it wasn't dark troopers because dark troopers yeah, were droids. Yeah, man, screw those guys. Oh, those oh, those guys were annoying. <laughs> well, was okay, it dark so horses that that was in. It was a dark. No, horses. that, that was, was Kalkatarn, wasn't it? It was, but they weren't the the ones you're talking about weren't in that one. They were in Outcast. Outcast. That's what it was. Okay, look this up because I'm going to go insane. Well. To, I guess to move on to something different. Um, I I kind of want to know what your opinions are on some of the uh, uh, some of the force beings in the galaxy. Um, and really, the ones I'm thinking of are the family on Mortis and the Force priestesses. Um, we we know who the Force priestesses are essentially. Um, they are beings who have uh, persisted beyond death, which. Uh, I guess helps explain the uh, uh, the Force Ghost and all that stuff, but the Force beings on Mortis are completely different entities, and uh, I have my own spin foil theory uh, that at the end, oh, at the end of the second of that trilogy, um, when the sister who is the embodiment of the light side dies, and the father says. Uh, the dark side of the force or the dark side practitioners have grown in strength in some degree. Uh, I almost feel like that's a real tipping point for the Star Wars story that we know. Um, Sort of because the sun is the embodiment of the dark side uh, and because there was this immediate cut to the balance um, that it's really the mere fact that the daughter dies that... uh, the rest of the story progresses as we know it because from there on out it's i mean it doesn't just get dark the dark the dark side does win and it does conquer and it does uh grow in strength until uh 
this new hope. Wow, I didn't mean to do that. This new hope uh, comes into being and is able to reset this. Wow, I really want to use something different, and that just happened. That's how <laughs> um, so, I mean, that ties into what I was saying in that I do think that to some extent there's a symbiotic relationship between the galaxy proper and that family. Um, and that there's a very very good chance that you're that you're right that 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 her death may have been the eclipse um that sort of weakened the light side enough to allow um the the dark side to 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 ascend as it were um and i think it's kind of two-sided there too because i think that the jedi failing as they were at being good guys um might have allowed her to be weakened to the point where that could happen. Yeah, I think uh, I feel like I can rewatch that trilogy and get something new out of it all the time. Uh, I that that's really one of the uh, most philosophical episodes of the Clone Wars, um, and you can have a whole bunch of theories that come out of that. Um, and I I like to think of the Mortis family if anybody here is familiar with the Kingdom Hearts series. Um, the realm, I guess you could say, of Kingdom Hearts itself is protected by its counterpoint, which is the quote-unquote Keyblade. And that's what I like to think that the Mortis, uh, the Mortis family is to the Force. The Force as a whole is Kingdom Hearts, and uh, the Keyblade is the family, and so how they live together, quote-unquote, uh, but obviously one affects the other. And, you know, as we said, with the imbalance of the force that was caused by the death of the daughter, um, and, you know, you're right. It could just be, you know, there was a, a, the declining of the Jedi, be it through doctrine or practice, uh, could have led to her weakening. Yeah. I, wow, that <laughs> makes me want to go rewatch it again and have some new ideas off of that. Um, For the record, it was Shadow Troopers. Plus, you get to listen to Sam Witwer, and that's always a good day. Well, you know, I was just listening to him today on a different podcast, but sure. <laughs> uh, or I could just rewatch Rebels. <laughs> He's like three different characters in Rebels, too. It's funny. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. <laughs> and Force Unleashed, which is a fantastic game I'm going to plug here, is four ninety nine right now on Xbox. It's also and, backwards compatible, if I yeah, remember. Yeah, that's, that's why it's on really? there. And it, that's that with game uh, right there. Starkiller, right? Yeah, yep. the second game you can skip. It's not terrible, but it's not good. But the first game is validly a very good game and story, in I my opinion. <laughs> um, actually, just, to, just I guess, talking about Starkiller. I had an I, argument with, with a friend about a year ago um, where he he hated the fact that Rogue One was coming out and that they weren't recanonizing oh Starkiller. And... I I couldn't fully explain to him why Starkiller cannot be a character anymore. Uh, and my reason, of course, was Ahsoka. And because of the influence that she has over Anakin and Vader in the new canon. And how bringing Starkiller back would not only make his character useless, but would uh, also degrade the relationship that there Wait, is. Starkiller, between- <clears throat> Starkiller from the game from the force unleashed yeah yeah because they're with the new canon uh they've really gone in depth with vader's relationships and um 
I mean, they could bring him back, but not in the same manner. Yeah, he can't have the same relationship that he had with Vader, and uh, people still think that it holds the same significance, Uh, which held really didn't really hold any significance for Vader at all. I mean, Starkiller was always that tool, but for Starkiller, it was a big deal. And, you know, you can't have the same effect, especially, you know, when you have characters like the Inquisitors who are tools and are so easily thrown away with their helicopter lightsabers. That's not, that's not, please no. <laughs> All right, why, so why, why you got to drag the night down? <laughs> well, well, you got to bring those up. Helicopter lightsabers. Just give me a third one. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's something. <laughs> there's a few things, but they don't have anything to do with Star Wars. No. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I mean, I think that I think that does actually a pretty good job. Talking, I mean, obviously, we touched, we, well, we did. We touched on the timeline. Um, we didn't go into the timeline as much as we did the differences between the legends and the current, but that was really what the chat did kind of focus on. Because, I mean, I know a lot of, a lot of people in the chat are kind of more on, I think, more on my side. Like, we're, we grew up with the legends, whereas we're, you know, there's a lot of apprehension for people who grew up, you know, I grew up reading Legends. That's how I got into science fiction and science fantasy. And so my apprehension is like, it was a really tough pill for me to swallow when they were like, yeah, we're kind of getting rid of all that. It was like, there were a couple choice words thrown. Well, and I mean, but, it's, 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 it's the burning it. question on everybody's mind too is where where is that at right right and that's what i was about to say is but you guys hit it i mean you guys did you hit it on the the nail on the head because it's not a full it's not like a marvel retcon like it's not like okay we're gonna pack it up and start over like it's it's kind of a weird you 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 did limbo it's a limbo and it's like they they can they have this this ability to pick and choose pieces from it you know, you have you have a ton, a ton of the concept art being put back into Force Awakens. Um, there's, you know, there was the entire desert city was a concept art for Tatooine. I can't remember the what they called it the the entrance to the city. That whole thing was a concept art, and so like there's there's really kind of a cool little bit of a blend between the legends and where they're going. And so hopefully I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, they kind of take, they kind of take the best part of the legends and they reintegrate that into this new expanded universe and to move forward. Well, it's kind of what they've been doing. Right. And honestly, they kind of needed to, cause like, as I said a few times, it was kind of a mess. Well, and, and that's, you know, and just like, every you know like marvel and dc do after a while there's there's not really a story anymore because you know like there's there's, well, there's no, no room right there's anymore. no room to grow and you know we we touched on that too it's like you've already you've already got a sun crusher you've already got a what other oh one? man there there there's the third one the sun crusher. you'd Kevin love the sun crusher, sun crusher. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's okay. Kevin J. Anderson, get right out. <laughs> get out of Star Wars and stay out of Dune. You can't have either. 
it's in it's in it's in the Corbett planet. I don't know what your problem is. All it takes is a Jedi to pull it out, right? I mean, Kip would never. Oh wait, he did that a couple times. But I mean, like you know, you have you have all these super weapons, and it's just like you know, like you said, you know, originally that was kind of the rule was don't outdo the Death Star. Well, you got you got so many books in, you're like crap we kind of need a new super you know like it, there's there's just a natural progression of the stories and after a while you need to hit a reset button uh yeah. hollywood in chat the sun crusher was a very very weird story arc that honestly so dumb. didn't make a lot of sense like so basically it, it was this like tiny ship it was like the size of an x-wing it had some sort of alloyed skin that was literally indestructible like you could you could smash it with a planet and it didn't blow up and it fired these canisters into suns that made them go supernova and destroy the entire system in system it, the entire it system it was an inanimate mary sue it was just and, utterly ridiculous but in the entire point of it was to give uh kip drama like that was the that was the entire yeah and that's even the worst part is that they could have done that in any number of ways oh my god it was so bad but kevin anderson is just not a good author and that (laughs) just leave it there he he tried real hard to tank star wars and he 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 did tank dude i mean he just he just grabbed that wrote it down the niagara and dying in the freaking bottom so yeah it was there was a couple weird super weapons from the legends that just really didn't make there was the what was what was the oh geez. wasn't one the eye of palpatine and well, yeah that's what, what it was center point was another one right center point center point was so center point was at least interesting because center it was point, it yeah was, it made it was, sense that was the too. Corellia one right yeah there was the Corellia system and it, I mean, it was locked down, so it wasn't actually more powerful. It was just... Well, but it also was a build-up. Like, they built it up over several, several series. Like, well, they, and it, like it, it had limitations. It it. I mean, they, they brought it back all the way in Fate of the Jedi, if right. I remember. I mean, well, Centerpoint is, like, oh my gosh, it was, like, one of the defining reasons that they didn't get destroyed with the Vong was because they wiped out... What was it? They wiped out the... Uh, they got Anakin to do it. Yeah, they got Anakin to do it, and they wiped out half of the. What are the? What's Tinelkaz fleet? The the not. Oh yes, 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 yes. I yeah. The Jewel yeah. people. I can't never remember yeah. them. Um. Uh, I, yeah. Christ, the guy who is courting the guy who's in Leia. love with Leia. <laughs> ah, it starts with an H. Happen. What? H-A-P-A. Yeah, it happened. Yeah, okay. They wiped out half their fort, their fleet, and pissed them off, but they defended against the Vong. Like, Centerpoint has actually served to purpose. Suncrusher just... Well, and it was limited, right? It was not... It was less than a Death Star. Right. It was was huge and powerful, but it had a lot of limitations. And it took forever to... And they couldn't aim it worth... Yeah, and that's... Except for Anakin. Fine. That's decent storytelling, because it's, it's not... It's not creating, a, I mean, a, a, it's not creating an entire trilogy around a literal Deus Ex Machina, like. Oh, the Sun Crusher. I mean, the main character of that sh- of that series was the Sun Crusher. It was an inanimate ship <laughs> that got thrown in how it many black holes? It was a bloody between that and the Millennium Falcon. That's all. It, that's all it was. <laughs> now, that, the, the the black hole thing actually wasn't terrible. That I actually thought was a cool idea. It was didn't a cool they, way to explain away the ridiculousness that was the parsec. Didn't they pull it out though? 
Or was no, the black was, hole was that so, the final way they got rid so of it? So the black hole was where where they were making the super weapons. That was the oh, explanation. Oh yeah, 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 into the mall. It was twelve parsecs, right? Which is a unit of distance. Right. They basically he could skirt the black hole so close that he cut a lot of time off the thing. Um, no, they no, just no, threw no. It I thought I thought they threw yeah. the sun crusher into the black hole though. No, they threw it into a sun and he pulled it out. Right, and then they didn't they throw it into Yavin. I don't remember. Yeah, I think, I think they, so. they threw it into one of the planets, and he did the same thing. And they're like, I think they finally, I think the final thing was they either threw it into a black hole or they did, they did something, and it was like, stop pulling the damn ship out. <laughs> it was like every time something happened, I, but, it should just be like if somebody's like, hey, what's up with the Sun Crusher? Like somebody just shoots them. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sorry, you've asked the wrong question. Didn't you are the weakest link. <laughs> No, there was another super weapon. It was the uh the no, there Death was a bunch of dumb super weapons. What was I the mean, Death just... Star the the cylinder? That was the that was the eye, wasn't it? Was that the eye of Palpatine? Or was that the uh oh, I don't know. It was something anyway, with anyway. the I think we've covered the point that deleting or at least having the ability to disregard an awful lot of the old EU is probably for the best. Let's yeah. not forget Luke and Leia's romance in Splinter of the Mind's Eye. <sighs> Well, okay, so just we need to talk about that before we get into some really strange things. Um, it really (laughs) is just that uh, if you if you look at Star Wars the way I do, Star Wars is a modern mythology, and there is nothing wrong with having different stories of the same character or event. That is what makes sure. And when you see it even in other modern myths like Tolkien, the first two books of the history of Middle-earth are the untold tales. And they're variant stories that you find in uh, the Silmarillion proper. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. as we know, the Silmarillion proper is, for all intents and purposes, the canon of the Tolkien theogony and such like that. So there's nothing wrong with having... Uh, these different concepts that can get uh, that can get brought back into the universe and right. brought back in a way that uh, keeps everything concise and makes well, sense. Well, I mean, that's that's a thing to remember too. Is that whenever you go into Star Wars, it very clearly says, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and kind of bills itself as, um you know, a possible myth, right? Like it it very clearly kind of labels itself as that. (laughs) And then from another galaxy far, far away, we have the Yuuzhan Vong. (laughs) Which actually ended up kind of making sense. They they weren't actually, that's the thing that they, that's the thing that they have potentially sort of vaguely in a weird roundabout way touched on again, if you think about it, right? because like, the cosmic force being different than the living force actually ties into the whole Yuuzhan Vong being different, a different, but they're the same. They're, they're being a different incarnation of the force or interacting differently with an incarnation. They're, they're part of the force, but they're not part of the our force. Our basically. force, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I I think that the Vong series did a pretty decent job in wrapping up that whole. Con- well, because like I said, I I got to the point where. They had just returned Vergery and Jason from the Vong, so he was like explaining all of it because he had gotten the whatever the, the weird crystal, 
the crystal that he could sense them through because he had to like embed it in his lightsaber and then he used that as a kind of a focal point to sense them. Which was a really cool. It's like it was a cool idea. I, I have to hand it to I mean, him. That was a cool. Conceptually, idea. the the Vong were fine. I I really do think that it's the the storytelling was was not up to par. Yeah, I because I mean, there was a lot of different people writing it, and it was just very strange. Killing killing a major character with a moon is never a good idea. <laughs> In the first book, <laughs> it was was it the first or was it the second? It was the first. Book. Was it the first? Oh my god! I just remember. I remember reading that passage and being like, "Did they just wait? Hang on, I'm gonna have to read this yeah, that's, chapter that's, again." Like that was one of those. Uh, that was one of those red weddings where I kind of just read it and wasn't paying attention. Like, oh shit, Rob died. Yeah. Well, and like, I feel bad for Salvatore because he got death threats. Like we, they have an interview with him, and he actually asked them to not make him. Do, like he was like, I don't really want to write this and they're like no you, you this is the point where you know we have to make the point of that the no one's untouchable kind of concept and he was like i'm gonna and he got he got death threats from that chapter from that from, actually not even from that from that like one piece I well like, i mean that that happens i mean oh yeah uh, no i know but i'm like i'm like oh my god well no it's also like how uh uh Jake Lloyd didn't have a really good childhood following episode one. You know, it's people have, I mean, I often say I cannot be a star Wars fan because I actually like star Wars. No, but I think, I think everybody's going to have the things that they like and dislike. But I'm just saying star Wars fans in particular tend to kind of lose it sometimes when, well, here's, I mean, I think everyone does. I'd say star Wars has some of the worst. Well, see, it's like uh, I was thinking about this earlier this week. Um, my my ability to have a discussion with somebody about Star Wars uh, could either go great or I could walk away. And I feel the same way with Doctor Who. <laughs> I, we can have a great conversation, and you can you can not like the character I like, but then have a reason for it that I cannot fathom, and I'll just. There you go. Walk away. And well, that's, yeah. That's and it's also the part. question of like, <laughs> I hesitate to say this, but it's kind of the question of maturity. It's like, absolutely. I'm like, Damo doesn't like certain people from the Star Wars universe. I really hey. am kind of indifferent. They're kind of He's annoying. Not- I completely understand why Damo doesn't like certain individuals. We just don't talk about it. <laughs> So, I don't know. I thought we brought it up at well, least. Well, we did. We did. That's because I'm not mature. I'm immature, and I like poking people <laughs> to see how far I can get them to not scream. So, <laughs> because because it's demo. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's kind of it was a it's kind of the way you treat a demo. Yeah, it's it's if it was a destiny, we would be talking about drags. So you know. Um. <laughs> There it is. There it is in chat. <laughs> Listen, I, I got no problem with the Elixir. They're my favorite race. <laughs> oh, see, you and... Yep, there you go. I love the Space Pirates. I don't know why people have problems with them. But they're they're the best race. <laughs> so, Screw humans. <laughs> the Awoken are all right, too. Oh, man. All right, well... Let's let's move to let's do some 
let's get some shout outs out of the way real quick. Um, I just my 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 big shout out is to both of you guys, uh, Damo and Demigod. Thank you guys so much. Um, we're definitely if if one of our extra lores you know kicks back up into Star Wars, we are definitely going to have both of you back on because this has been this has been a blast. I think it's been informative. I've I've learned a ton. I don't know. I'm assuming most people who are listening to this will probably feel the same way. Um, especially about the you know the differences in the two versions of EU, which is kind of a new thing for Star Wars to to go down. So t- for me, that's that's my my thank you again for that. So and then uh, Josh, did you have? I know you had a couple or demigod, I guess. Sorry. Well, um, I don't really have uh, shout outs per se in respect to Destiny. Um, but there are some great podcasts that I listen to almost every day. And I think that, uh, if you are fans of star Wars, you should really get into these podcasts as well. Uh, the first one is random chatter. Uh, random chatter has a specific podcast, uh, called echo base. Uh, it's a water cooler discussion. They pick a topic for the week and, uh, the three hosts just, you know, spend a good hour and a half talking about that topic. Uh, this past uh, these past two weeks actually have to do with uh, canon uh, in respect to the people who like the old canon as opposed to the people who like the new canon and uh, how the canon seems to be affecting the community. Uh, the next one is Fangirls Going Rogue. Fangirls Going Rogue actually came out from Rebel Force Radio, um, as the title suggests, hosted by Fangirls. Um, they get great interviews by pretty much anybody and everybody from star wars uh they do character overviews they talk about star wars news um as they like to say star wars from the female point of view um and then the last one is probably the biggest star wars podcast it's rebel force radio hosted by jason swank and jimmy mack uh rebel force radio uh the hosts have been podcasting for star wars for i want to say a decade they were probably the first ones um, and the Rebel Force Radio Network has tons of shows. Uh, they are constantly having special guests like Sam Whitworth, David Collins, uh, Paul Bateman. They have shows that are dedicated to music, Star Wars Oxygen, uh, dedicated to the origins of Star Wars, how things came about, uh, which is Star Wars influences. Um uh, they have Radio 1138, which is a collector's podcast for people who are collecting figures and such like that. Um, and actually, their past uh, – well, they also have weekly episodes on news and such like that. Um, they do reviews on Rebels and Clone Wars. I mean, they're fantastic. Uh, so if you guys are into listening to podcasts, as you guys should be if you're here now, um, definitely go check out those three. Random Chatter, uh, Fangirls Going Rogue, and Rebel Force Radio. And then secondly, if you guys are more interested in uh, the creative process of Star Wars, how it came to be both in terms of filmmaking and the mythology of Star Wars, uh, I would suggest that you guys listen to, uh, rather watch, the documentaries Empire of Dreams and Star Wars The Legacy Revealed. Empire of Dreams came with the 2004 limited edition DVD for the trilogy, uh, so if you have that, you could watch it there, or you could watch it on YouTube. Uh, it's about three and a half hours. It's long, but it covers all three of the original trilogy 
uh, starting from Lucas's ideas back in 73 all the way to just before episode one came out. Um, and then the legacy revealed talks about uh, the mythology of Star Wars, the lore behind it, the uh, real world influences, all that. These are two documentaries. I I want to say I probably rewatch them at least once every year just to refresh myself. Um, they show up on History Channel from time to time, and they're great. Uh, and it's really funny when you look, at least watch the legacy revealed that J.J. Abrams was on that. And then, you know, only about half a decade later, you know, he signed on for episode seven. So those are my shout outs. Um, and, you know, if you guys ever want to talk more Star Wars with me, like I said, you guys can check me out on the Twitter or in the uh, band chat. Yep. And then, Damo, you got anything over there? No, I'm pretty good. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. He covered most of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that, we'll be again to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over in chat for coming to spend your evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focus chat links to all our sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Uh, once again, thank you again to Damo and Demigod for chatting with us and for the great information on the new lore that has been found within the updated expanded universe on star Wars. We really appreciate it. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback, questions, or topics that you'd like to see us tackle in the new YouTube videos that we're in the process of putting together, the Lore 101 series and Justin's Spin Full Corner. We try to keep to the scheduled Wednesday night streams of the chat starting at approximately 10 p.m. Central. But if we have any variations, we always make sure to let everyone know through our Twitter account, which is at focusfirechat. So, Until next time, the lore band marches on.